Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey, everybody. Jeff Dwoskin here. Welcome to a bonus episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin Show, where we focus on segments from Crossing the Streams, our live show that we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Join us there live. It's a ton of fun. As we talk about TV shows and movies, you should be binging. You're paying for all those services, and we're going to help you max them out. Crossing the Streams answers the universal question, what should I watch next? And we're here for you. We got your back. You'll know a bonus episode is coming because the intro is slightly different than when I do interviews. But similar to the interviews, which are real nice, casual conversations, that's what Crossing the Streams is. Just a bunch of folks casually discussing TV shows they love with hopes you'll love it too and check it out. Speaking of interviews, so many great ones lately on the podcast. Will Wheaton, Judy Tenuta, Roy Schwartz, Spencer Garrett, and practically the whole Happy Days gang was there as well. Ralph Mouth, Potsy, and Mrs. C. So if you haven't caught all those, check those out. But right now, we're going to focus on some TV binge-watching suggestions. In this episode, we're going to cover Manhunt Unabomber, Sex Lies of College Girls, and Pam and Tommy. TV shows for you to take in and then consider for your own TV binge-watching experience. We're going to kick things off with Manhunt Unabomber. Ron Lippett's going to take us through that show. Take it away, Ron. This is Manhunt Unabomber. Ron's going to take us through this. This Ronnie. is... Uh, yeah, do, now, do you guys know the show? Have you guys have you guys seen it at all? Heard about it? Anything? I haven't even heard about that one. Yet. I, I'll tell you what. I, I appear to be cornering the market on every freaking show on streaming about <laughs> serial killers and people that just are murdering people. And if the, if it's a historical documentary or any type of dramatic reenactment of the historical documentary, that's for me. And sure enough, I was looking for a show to check it out. The uh, Algorithm Boys on Netflix trotted out this one from. Uh, Regarding the Unabomber, for those of us who are from Michigan, uh, the Unabomber holds a special place in our in our historical uh, background, given the fact that he got his PhD from the University of Michigan, which is my own alma mater. So fun. Well, let's learn about the Unabomber, right? Who's with us? So, uh, <laughs> just uh, six square. This was put out by Discovery uh, in 2017, the Discovery Channel and their their streaming platform. It was ultimately picked up by Netflix, so you can see it now on Netflix. The Manhunt series of which Manhunt Unabomber was the first season. And then there was a, a second season, which I don't know if it was uh, if it was as good or not. It was called Man- Manhunt Deadly Games, and that came out last year to not a lot of uh, acclaim. But uh, the Unabomber series was excellent. It was eight episodes, and it takes you through the, as I said, the dramatic reenactment of the story of Ted Kaczynski. And it stars Sam Worthington, who, you know, I, I kind of learned uh, Sam Worthington during the Avatar world, but he does a great job as Agent Jim Fitzgerald, uh, who tracks down the, the Unabomber and does so over a series of years at the risk of his career and his family and really just absolutely committed his life to finding this guy. Paul Bettany, who I'm sure you guys all know because of his uh, Iron Man uh, vision. 
background. He's a vision, exactly. So he, he was an Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man uh, 3, The Avengers, so uh, all that stuff, none of which other than the original Iron Man uh, I've ever seen. But apparently, it's a big deal. He was so, just a voice in Iron Man, so he didn't miss, he didn't miss is that, it. Is that true? He's just a voice? He's Jarvis, yeah. Okay, there, there, there you go. Well, so anyway, so this story, it, very, very well done. I have to say this is a, a well-produced thing. I would have preferred, you know, we've talked about this. And Netflix has, a, 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 I think, a tendency for dramatic reenacts, reenactments to uh, extend uh, further than they need to. And Howard, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. I think they could have done this show in four or five episodes. It is eight episodes, each episode between 45 minutes and an hour. So not bad. It's not like you're wasting two hours for each episode, but but I feel like they they could have shortened this up. I feel like the story uh, on the front end could have sped up to really what is the best part of the story, which is how they ultimately tracked him down. And do you guys remember how they ended up catching the Unabomber? Because it, it really is a fascinating he the, story. Wasn't he, in his, he was in his cabin at the time, wasn't he? When they he was in his him? cabin. That's where they. That's where they. Oh uh, app, that's where they apprehended him. But do you know? Uh, do you know how they caught him? Because I, he, this guy was so freaking smart. He planned these murders out so well in advance, and some of them didn't work logistically with the bombs, but. I mean, just the packaging, the where he got the nitrate, where he got the bomb materials, how he sent it, where he sent it, the manner in which he targeted people. I mean, just super creepy, intelligent about how he did this. And he just was not going to get caught. He lived completely off the grid, as we all know now. There was no way to track him. There was no internet. There was no way to figure this out at all. So the question stands, do you know how the FBI caught him? I don't. Mm-mm. He was turned in by his own family. Oh, that's right. That's right. Did they recognize the hoodie? They re- No, they recognized his manifesto, the writing in his manifesto, and the ranting about the government uh, and about control and all the things that he'd ranted about through his scholastic career, even at University of Michigan, by the way. And um, his sister uh, recognized the writing and contacted the FBI, and that led to you know, a setup of a number of targets that they thought uh, where he might be. And one of them turned out to be the correct place, that cabin out in in the woods. So it really is a super fascinating story. And it, it does walk you through all of the elements of this that make this, this story truly an exceptional one, because he really, these were not random bombings. These were very targeted people who we felt were um, detrimental to society as he saw it. He was in his mind, and even this is still true today, he thought he was doing the right thing for the world. So, you know, listen, <laughs> he may turn out to be right, but, but, but it's still a crime and, yeah. uh, and he, and he got caught for it. But it, listen, if you're, if you're into these um, dramatic reenactment reenactments, and if you're into um, kind of understanding what went down, particularly the inner workings of the FBI and the struggle of not just the entire agency trying to catch this guy, but the struggle of the lead investigator who um almost lost everything uh, to make this happen, which is absolutely a true story. Uh, check it out. One last thing I'll just say is, is there anything that Jane Lynch can't do? She plays Janet Reno in this series. Oh, she would make a I, good Janet Reno. She is fantastic as Janet Reno. In this. Wow. She's amazing uh, in everything. Yeah, she's yeah. Amazing. I, I mean, I, she really is. I, I, you know, I just was watching. Um, uh, Party I'm down. Sorry. No, the, uh, the one about the, the comedian on, on, uh, on Amazon. Hazel? Uh, yeah, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's so freaking good in that series. She's great and, in that show. She's great I just, in, that I, show. in that show. She is. I find her range to be great. So, Hey, you know what else she's great in? Only Murders in the Building. That, she, I've heard that. I haven't seen it. I've heard that she's good. She plays, she plays Steve Martin's old stunt double. <laughs> it's so funny. 
She was yeah. brilliant in Glee. Oh, Glee. She I was, think that, yeah. I think, I think that was what kind of exploded her uh, beyond like the amazingness of like best in show and stuff. She was like also, yeah. wasn't she 40 year old. She was a 40 year old virgin too, right? I think she was like not so popular in those movies, but I think it was Glee. No, but she was great in that in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, she she is. I mean, just as a, I you know what I I appreciate about talents like her being you know just willing to take a completely side character uh, and not be the the story and not be the main. Uh, thrust of the movie, and I I always appreciate it when actors that are that good are willing to take those roles. And as it turns out, in this case, she's just perfectly cast as as Janet Reno. If you want to watch a really funny Jane Lynch uh, YouTube clip, Google Jane Lynch Rich Eisen. She was on the Rich Eisen show, and he, he has this thing where he asks them true or false questions, and he asked her uh, about being in Forty Year Old Virgin, and uh, she came up with the song that she sings in Spanish and she actually she's like would you like to hear me do it and he's like of course she just does it off the top of her head tell football it's uh <laughs> it's brilliant she's she's amazing back to manhunt I, I I highly recommend it I don't know how many sauce jars I'm gonna give it uh Sal I, I would say three and a half out of five and the only reason I didn't score it four is I do think they could have shortened the front end of the of the, of the story uh, boy, boy, it speeds up and it really grabs you and you have to finish it out because it's it's a really chilling tale. All right, that was Manhunt Unabomber pulled from live episode 51 of Crossing the Streams. Thank you, Ron Lippett. Amazing how a conversation about the Unabomber turned into an amazing conversation about Jane Lynch, the amazing actress. All right, let's move on to the next show pulled from live episode 56. This is Sex Lives of College Girls led by Howard Rosner. Take it away, Roz. Talk about the sex lives of college girls with Howard Rosner on HBO Max. So I'm flipping through uh, the HBO Max app and I'm like, let's see if there's anything good to watch. And it pops up as a recommendation, the sex lives of college girls. And I'm like, great. The HBO max app is now recommending only fans pages to me. Like that's, that's just super. That's what I've come to. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should watch. And I'm like, okay, well, no, I'm not even going to flip on it because that's then when my wife goes to watch and just like that, it's just going to pop up in the recently watched. I'm like, just going to see how much the sex lives of college girls. Like that's not going to work either. So I didn't, but then over the next couple <laughs> on the of days, bill, Howard on the bill, Howard, it, it just says yes. move it. Movie. Yes. <laughs> if you know, if you stop before ten minutes, you can watch through the squiggle vision, and uh, and you don't get charged for it. You just click off. But over the next few days after I first saw that, when I was looking at all the um, end of year lists that people had for best TV shows, it was in a bunch of them as one of the ten best shows of the year. Uh, and then I did a, I did a little reading on it, and I realized it was executive produced by Mindy Kaling who was a major part of the creative process. And, you know, Mitty Kaling obviously heavily involved with Never Have I Ever, a show that we've talked about that I really enjoyed. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give the first episode a shot. And I really enjoyed it. It's kind of, it's that Howard Rosner, Rick de Passage theme, coming of age kind of show. It's kind of like similar to Never Have I Ever, goofy comedy, yet still trying to make good points, but taken to an, a next level of adulthood, still trying to, characters still trying to find out who they are. So basic gist of the show is it's set at a fictional Vermont Ivy League type university. 
called Essex University. And it's four roommates who are brought together randomly. It's a total comedy, by the way, but also some very biting social commentary and, and good insight to, you know, college now and, and issues that abound. So the four roommates are character who starts off seeming like it's going to be the mean girl right she's rich her family's name is on the library she's puts everybody down the next character is a soccer star who's the daughter of a u.s senator third is a student um, an indian woman young woman who um, wants to be in comedy and wants to work for basically a fictionalized version of, you know, the Harvard Lampoon. Um, that's her goal in life is to be a comedy writer. She's recently discovered her like majorly sex positive. And then the fourth is a woman from a really like from Arizona, lower socioeconomically on scholarship and work study and very naive and they get thrown together. And, you know, you, you do feel like this could very easily be stereotypical plot lines for all of them. And it's 10 episodes in the first season. It's really not. I mean, the characters go in very different directions than you think from the first episode or two. And they do hit some very poignant subjects that are, you know, part and parcel to the college experience. Not that, you know, I know fully, but just from reading and understanding sexual harassment, faculty affairs with student issues, coming to terms with one's sexuality, coming to terms with having to make choices that have gone against your core principles your entire life, but now you're doing because you're stuck in an environment that you're not sure how to handle. While some of the jokes might at times be a little expected or trite, where most of those storylines go, don't go the way that you would think, which is good. It's refreshing. I read an article today about it that popped up on Twitter that was saying how it's really changing a lot of expectations of um, what college can and should be because of the way they're dealing with these situations. So the young women who are, um, and I shouldn't say young for all I know, they could be 30 playing college students, which is still young to me. I should for the most of us on this, I would add. Um, but they do a really, I think they do a really, really good job. It's enjo- it's an enjoyable show. Like I said, it's entertaining. It's pretty funny, but yet it's also, it's got some good social statements that it makes. So quick episodes on HBO Max. I enjoy it. Alpha real review. How about the bikini shots? Is there a lot of bikini shots? Is you know, there, um, sex- <laughs> sexuality, um, there's not any nudity that I recall, there are some really quick sex scenes, but they're almost comic in the way they approach most of them. Sounds like mine. (laughs) Quick, quick, forced comedy. (laughs) These only two minute episodes. (laughs) It's 10 episodes. You can knock the whole thing off in 20 20 minutes. And if you rewind to see, I love where the real quick, but don't get up and go. It's, um, Again, it's kind of in that never have I ever vein of, you know, characters that um, character study. And um, it's kind of got that. You could kind of tell if you'd watch Never Have I Ever that the way they approach some of the characters and the way the storylines intersect, that uh, it's kind of got some of that Mindy Kaling feel to it from a creative behind the scenes process. But again, you know, a much uh, more mature version of that. They've already approved a second season and I'm excited. I'm a big fan of Mindy Kaling's work. I think she's really, really, really good. 
All right. Thank you, Howard Rosner. When you guys finally get around to listening to one of these shows, definitely tweet at us at Jeff Dewaskin Show on Twitter. I love to hear your opinion of any of the shows we've ever discussed on Crossing the Streams. Up next, I am taking you through the world of Hulu's Pam and Tommy. Take it away, me. Uh, speaking of Hulu, Hulu yeah. recently put out oh, uh, I see that. Pam I and mm-hmm. Tommy. Pam and Tommy. This is, of course, is the story of Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson and their infamous sex tape. Let me let me start by saying that this was made 100% without any of their input or approvals. <laughs> I or, didn't know that. Oh my or gosh. wish that it got made at all. <laughs> oh, my God. And Pam Anderson has gone on record as saying she would never watch a millisecond of this. That's a, and wow. I assume Tommy Lee would feel the same. It's mostly based on an article from Rolling Stone called Pam and Tommy, the untold story of the world's most infamous sex tape. I also believe that article <laughs> we had very little to do, uh, little input from Pam <laughs> and Tommy, but don't quote me on that part. It's, it's crazy that you can do that. Like without right. somebody's permission. Like it, I feel like that should. It, it feels illegal. Like it feels illegal for me to be like the Jeff Dwoskin movie, and you're like, no, nah, don't make that. And I'm like, I don't know. Fuck you. This is the Jeff Dwoskin story. <laughs> well, like, that seems you, insane. Apparently, you can, but then you have to do certain things. So, for example, like mm. recently, I saw a story where somebody was making a Billy Joel movie, and Billy Joel came out and said, "I give no permissions. You can't use an ounce of my music." So, you know, like they'll, they'll mm. rewrite songs, they, you know, sing us a song. Mm. I'm on the organ here. You know I mean? Like they'll, <laughs> they'll change it a little bit, right? They'll, they'll do something. Switch it up a little. So I will, I will say this is an eight part series. It is on mm. Hulu. You could all streamable now. It stars Lily James as Pam Anderson and Sebastian Stan. Lily James was, uh, I believe, Cinderella and Sebastian Cinderella. Stan is known uh, the Winter Soldier, amongst other things. Let me say first, it's worth watching just to see the insane transformation. They literally turned Lily James into Pam Anderson. Now, four hours of prosthetics and makeup a day to turn her into. They went as far as the space between her eyes, her eyebrows, the amount of forehead she had. Her entire chest actually was a prosthetic. They made her eyes further apart? Well, they kind of, I think they kind of made it so it would appear. Uh. And then different eyebrows and uh, (laughs) and big surgery. Yeah. I mean, like her prosthetic chest uh, to give her the the workouts and diets to give her the same curves and like uh, insane. I mean, it's, it's as close as you can get. (laughs) I mean, it's like crazy. And then Sebastian Stan, I guess, lost so much weight to play Tommy Lee. And, and to Jeff's point earlier about, can you do this? They mimicked his tattoos, but they didn't do them exactly the same because you because it's considered art. That could oh, be wow. that could have never been knew sued. that. So oh my like, god! They they actually came up during um, uh, I think the second Hangover movie when they they gave uh, which one call oh, it uh, Tyson that one tattoo yeah. the Tyson tattoo, but it mm. was to Ed Helms. They gave Ed Helms the Tyson tattoo, but that's considered art, and they copied it anyway. So even. Uh, Sebastian Stan, I mean, like prosthetic nipples, it took 45 minutes a day to put on. They mimicked most of his tattoos, so you wouldn't really know the difference. I mean, everything was prosthetic on him, including uh, his penis. So let me get into the fact this is a lot of swearing, and there is a lot of nudity in this. Tonally, it bounces back and forth. The first few episodes 
are crazy and fun and it gets more docudrama as it goes on. But in I think the second episode, there's actually a scene where he has a conversation with his very famous penis, Tommy Lee does. And he's on drugs, obviously, at the time. Or maybe that wasn't obvious. Uh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, he uh, he has a conversation. I guess they pulled that from Tommy Lee's memoir, you know, where he just would have conversations. Wow, from, you're my best friend. I re- <laughs> Amazing. I did wow. read. I did read something that said that in terms of accuracy, this story follows the threads very accurately. There was very little that they embellished or, or kind of blew up. I, I will say that. So the story is about Seth Rogen. I, Seth Rogen, I think, was part of putting this whole thing together. He plays uh, a character named Rand. Rand is the person who stole the tape. And Nick Offerman is in it. He plays uh, Uncle Milty, who is a porn producer. Let me just say, Nick Offerman is is like a a, a gift from the heavens. I he's so good. He's not even best. in it. He's not in it that much. But when he, he's in it more in the beginning, and then very less less as it moves on. But when they cut to him, when even in the quick scenes, it's just such a joy. I mean, you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, I'm so blessed to be seeing this <laughs> this version of Nick Offerman as a scummy porn producer. Oh, it's just. It's worth it's worth its weight in gold right there. And then Andrew Dice Clay, who I I oh, think is a is a good actor actually. Oh, wow. He was great really? in um what was the movie with uh, Lady Gaga? That's License to Drive. Oh no, uh, the the remake. Uh, with, oh, uh, Stars Born. Stars Born. He played Lady Gaga's father in that. He was great. Oh wow, he was great. Really? And, I yeah. And so anyway, so he plays the mobster that gives them the fifty thousand dollars to um, get the tape out there. So it's interesting because it kind of follows the story as Rand, Seth Rogen's character, I think was interviewed in the Rolling Stone article about how he stole the tape and then really tried to kind of put it. uh, He went everywhere to try and sell this tape, but none of the porn producers would take the tape because there wasn't consent. There was no consent forms. And so it's an interesting theme. It's like all of a sudden you start, look, I can say, the tape, the Pam and Tommy sex tape. I've not seen it more than 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> I practiced that. That was done. That was and, good. Uh, <laughs> good it was good timing. Thank you. Thank you. And, <laughs> but it kind of like you start to feel, and I think like once there was that, all those uh, phone hacks not too long ago, you start to get a different perspective and understanding of we shouldn't be seeing these. There's a difference between uh, the sex tape and porn, right? And they, they kind of mm. talk about that. And there's a real interesting scene where they say, no, a porn is when they give consent. Mm. And and this is this was a tape that they made on their honeymoon. And so that's one interesting theme. I was reading a, a review and it, it was interesting that one of the themes is consent, but the whole show was made without <laughs> the consent <laughs> of, of everybody it's actually about. When you champion a cause without actually committing to it. Right? <laughs> This is a story about two people that were very much in love. And it was, uh, you know, overall, it's it's a very interesting story. And they, except for the rest of Motley Crue, which looked a little cosplayish to me, mm-hmm. the level of detail that they went into to, like, recreate things was really kind of crazy. It kind of takes you through everything they had to deal with once the sex tape was released. It's funny now watching something where they're like, there's this thing called the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, but that was the way it was. It was just so 
crazy the way they got this tape on the internet and distributing it. And it was interesting that, you know, it kind of covered the difference between its impact on Pamela Anderson versus its impact on Tommy Lee. And mm. it, I think it, it's still today. And it's like, you know, Pamela Anderson, you know, becomes the slut and Tommy Lee is like this, you know, stud hero. Right. And it's like mm. how unfair that that whole thing is. And so I enjoyed it a lot. I think it was really good. I don't think it had to be eight episodes. I think mm. it easily could have been eight inches four, yeah. <laughs> four, four or five episodes i think they, they they kind of expound and go deeper into certain parts of the story that maybe mm. didn't I, I i kind of feel like with a lot of real life stories there's a lot at the beginning and it kind of narrows down right mm. i think any story you can talk about it's like there's so everything happens at the beginning and then by the time the end there's just not as much excitement towards the mm-hmm. end you know it's kind of like a down mm-hmm. funnel yeah. so I, I feel like it's this is the same thing i feel like they could have it could have made this a little tighter. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I like the fact that it was a whole story, but, you know, I, I think it could have been don't, four episodes. Don't do it. What? Don't do it, CRP. Nothing. What? I was Nothing. just going to say, what, what do you Nothing. think? Like fewer penis conversations? I'm curious but, where these streams No, I just mean like, you know, like they do a thing with lawyers. You yeah. know what I mean? It could have been, you know, that could have been 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't so, have to be 45 so minutes. They had something the deposition for... didn't need 40 minutes to get. The uh, sure. Yeah, they had like something that. good. They didn't know where they ultimately were going with it. And in the end, it sucked. So you just described. I, I don't think in the end it yep. sucked. I just, I, <laughs> I made my way through it and I enjoyed it. It's just towards the end. You're like, okay. You know, it's like the end is imminent. There's yeah. not as many huge milestones in, in the story still, you know? So yeah. it's like, you know, uh, we get it, you know, tighten mm-hmm. it up a bit, tighten it. it up. I mean, I, I definitely recommend it. It was it was definitely enjoyable, and it'll give you a different perspective on when personal things leak, and I think it'll give you a different perspective on Pam and Tommy, a, a mm. positive one, a very positive mm. one. So, mm-hmm. uh, how many eggplants uh, are you giving this one? Uh, Jeff? <laughs> I, it, I, I was it, trying to. I give it three and a half eggplants out of four. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's strong. Yeah, that was strong. So. Excellent. Have you all seen it? The tape. Mm. Oh, the tape, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I 15 when it came well. out, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was old. I don't think I really watched any sex tape. But that one was, it's exactly what you described as, I was watching it like, yeah, I'm going to watch. With my roommate brought home the tape, the VHS copy. Mm-hmm. was like, look, this. And the then VHS. We're like, yeah, we're like, all right, let's see some, you know, whatever is sex. And it's like, I love some you. Action. I love you too. I love you. And we're like, yeah, it's two people who love each other. That's a, yeah. that's a turnoff. I don't want to yeah, say that. It was very it was uncomfortable. Crazy. They were all having a healthy relationship. What was that yeah. about? I don't want to see some people in love. He drove stuff with his penis and that was cool. No, no, but they did recreate a lot, of, a lot of it. They didn't recreate the the sex. What did sex, he drive? He drove a boat with his penis. Oh wow! It's mm. yeah, it's wow. Yeah, yeah he, that is a penis that you talk to at that point. You know what I mean? Well, it, I mean, that's that's pretty much what came out of it. Is like, oh, Tommy Lee's got one of the biggest penises and <laughs> in all of rock. So I mean, it, it didn't. That's what I'm saying. I was like, it was like he becomes this hero, this hung hero, and Pam is like, you know. And apparently yeah. gave the rank of boat captain the entire time, too. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, that was Pam and Tommy. Great job, me. Great job, of course, to Ron Lippett with Manhunt Unabomber, Rosner with Sex Lives of College Girls. 
You guys got a lot of homework ahead of you. Three great shows to choose from. So I don't want to keep you any longer. Go grab your remote, find your spot on the couch, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while. 